Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. The key is in the cookie bag. The cookie bag will explain the why, but the problem with knowing the why is that it doesn't explain the origin or the purpose. And the origin is unnecessary, because we all must do as we want, as the cookie bag and the key determines. But the true question is, why was the key in the cookie bag? And why are we looking for the key in the cookie bag? Because no one can understand what they're looking for until they know why they're looking for it. And once they know what they're looking for, they can balance the remainder of the unbalanced equation. But the truth is there is no key. Because there is no key, there is no need for a key. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 233, The Matrix, Repetitions, Revulsions. Welcome back, sickies, and we are coming at you live from new Sci-Fi Malady Studios. Uh, well, sort of. I mean, we're in a new studio room, but it's going to be moving again, according to Scott, so I don't know. The point is, we're in Scott's new house, and we are back in studio, so the sound quality is great. Eh, Rock? Why would you do this to me? You traitors! Anywho... We are continuing. If you were here last week for the supplemental on the Animatrix, uh, boy, uh, compared to these two films, I'd rather watch the Animatrix any day of the week. It's the Animatrix. Neo's crazy to the max. <laughs> that's yeah. all I can... That's all, that's yeah. all we can legally sing. That's all we can... Le <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think our title says it all. These movies sucked. And we're going to go through this, but these well, movies really I, I hate to say sucked. this. At the time, I thought they were good. I, you can, but I... When I first saw them, I thought they they were fun, action-packed. But again, as my taste has changed over the years, they have dropped off for me. And that's funny, because when I saw Revolutions... Or no, I'm sorry. Um, repetitions. No, what was it? Um, reloaded. When I saw it in the theater, I was psyched. I thought, oh boy, the Matrix, this is going to be so awesome. And then I saw it. And I was thinking, huh, okay, this is okay. And then we got to the scene with the Oracle. And that's when I officially checked out. I mean, I, I was like 90% checked out after that dumb conversation. And then I saw the Agent Smith battle that looked like a PS1 game. And I just, I was done. I didn't care anymore about that movie. And I didn't even see part... I didn't see part three until I, we reviewed this film. Wow. I See, I was on board with part two until the very end. Neo gets to the source and you are the remainder of an unbalanced equation. An inevitable anomaly. And I'm like, what in God's name? We're reducing all of the Matrix to a math problem. And I, I wanted to just... I was like, this is ridiculous. And it's like, you are the sixth iteration of the one. Oh, so I'm not the one. I'm the sixth. And um, we've destroyed Zion six times before. How does that even work? The, the function of the one I is to select 
to 23 females and 16 males to repopulate inbred as heck Zion. I, how does that even work? We're not going to get into rips and picks yet, but can someone explain to me how this is the sixth time we're destroying Zion? You mean to tell me that Morpheus wouldn't have mentioned that? Nobody mentioned that to Neo? It was, uh, Neo, just as a heads up, um, well, also, we've had to rebuild Zion like five times. Well, apparently they don't even know. So that's the, that's the thing. They don't know that this has happened six it's times. So, it, it, but there's humans who aren't hooked up to the mainframe. Like if it was all a bunch of people that got released from the Matrix. Okay, fine. They got erased. I don't know. But there are people that have never been plugged into the Matrix. So some of them would be like, uh, just heads up. This is like the fifth time we've done this, uh, but we're learning better each time. No, it's never mentioned. Well, so how? How? And there's actually a very easy explanation for that, Rage. They tell you that we will kill every man, woman, and child in Zion, and then they will pull out 23 people from the Matrix to repopulate it. So there's no non-hooked-into-the-Matrix humans left to remember and tell people that this has happened. Okay, then how do they find, so what, they just mate and then wait until a, so, oh wait, that is one of the fun facts, the fact that it's hundreds of years later. But again, um, it, it's like, so you keep doing this because math? Well, because it's an unbalanced equation, obviously. Math? Again. I mean, math? Well, let me put it this way, again. I watched it, I thought the action was fun. And I, at the time, I wasn't paying attention to the actual logic and the... Well, lack thereof? Yes, the lack of the logic and the just psychobabble that made no sense. But I was watching for the action. And, and, and again... And a lot of people were. No, and, and that's how I am with Fast and the Furious. But I also admit things like that. But here's I, the thing about Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious at no point is trying to say, I'm making a deep philosophical message. Fast and the Furious knows precisely what it is. Exactly. And that's why I say I have changed my opinion on this. Because at the time, I was just watching for the action. And I didn't even think of that. And I didn't even want to think of it. But now, again, as my tastes have evolved and I have changed, I look at the movies as a whole. And as a whole... They're crap. Well, and then it, but, okay. So, I'm actually, I think if the Wachowskis had had more time to flesh this idea out, the concept of destroying Zion six times is very good. The concept of the one being an anomaly is very good. The concept of people on a subconscious level rejecting the Matrix, a very small amount of people, a subset rejecting the Matrix because they see through the illusion works too because we've got a group of people who think we're living in a simulation right now so if we really were living in a simulation there could be people whose conscious mind could reject it and then if they realize that it is just a mental construct and that the rules don't really exist and you can violate them by force of will then it does make sense that certain people would learn how to bend the rules of the matrix and it does make sense that eventually you would reach an anomaly who had complete faith in his own abilities to override everything the other thing that would make sense is is that since these people are rejecting the matrix you want them out of the matrix because you don't want them to wake up other people so it does make sense for the machines to let a small amount of human beings proportionally get out of the matrix believe their 
fighting a resistance, believe they're freeing people because it's necessary to get them out of the matrix so it doesn't destabilize. And it also makes sense that at some point, Zion will reach a critical mass that the machines know that if they continue to let that critical mass build, they can lose. So they preemptively destroy everyone in Zion. But they also know that they need to have a place to send people when they're sending them out of the rebooted matrix, so they're going to rebuild Zion. It also makes sense to have a false flag prophecy of the one because you need this rebellion going because you need to take out the unstable elements that could completely collapse it far ahead of time. All of that makes sense. It really does. But you have to unpack it so far in your head after the movie is going that it fails. I would say... Okay, so I get the part about the machines kicking people out. Check. Kill them. As a machine, like in Terminator, we need to kill the people that are trying to stop us. Not arm them and let them have a rebellion because we need the rebellion to work so we can find more humans. That's one way. Or, or, your machines... You don't get tired. You could just kill them as you find them. And if you're the ones unhooking them from the matrix, you just unhook them as a bunch. When they wake up, have a sentinel go squishy with their head. Okay. Well, and... and, Okay. Now, admittedly, we also have to accept that... These are very flawed robots because... Apparently. This entire matrix system... Again, doesn't make sense. We talked about that earlier. Why are you using them as batteries instead of processors? But yeah. okay. Yeah, we'll let it go. Let it go. So, wait. We're just going to live with this because apparently they answer that. Well, they do answer that in the next. Oh, good grief. Uh, moving on. Yeah, um, just, just move on. <laughs> that these robots are the dumbest robots ever because again apparently we have an unbalanced equation and we've done this multiple times haven't you tried to rewrite the code you're apparently the really smart robots who have managed to program yourself and build yourself couldn't you try rewriting your own code Uh uh-huh they did but I think but the thing a remainder of an unbalanced equation of there a are choice. there are some equations that you can't balance in the end. That means you have a flawed mathematical theorem, I would say, uh, if you can't balance it. But what we're forgetting here is the role of the Oracle. The Oracle is playing a different game from the source and the Oracle wants the humans to live and her goal is to eventually have peace between them and she believes that she can have a matrix where people choose to stay because they have the subconscious choice which works for the machines and then the humans can simply take the people who want out to Zion and if they live in peace they will be okay but I also the the thing about the I'll talk more about the unbalanced equation more because I've been racking my brain about it the oracle is the balance to the equation it's not an unbalanced equation. The source thinks it's an unbalanced equation, but the oracle is balancing the source. In simpler terms, it's a... How do we put it? The robots are fighting themselves. It's a civil war inside the code. 
that somehow, and this will never balance itself unless you literally rebooted the entire matrix, which would destroy the matrix. Or, you know, the entire computer program. Because even destroying and restarting, you don't reboot. So, I guess, technically speaking, the robots have division among themselves, and thus they have permanent division, and the code will never balance itself because they're fighting among each other. Yeah, so all It gets this, very complicated and doesn't make sense. All of this to say what I said last week and what Scott has reiterated here, that there could have been a good story here. And I imagine what happened, given what we know, that the Wachowskis took, what was it, five years or so to write the first film and hammer out the details... They probably had a loose structure about how this was going to keep going. Well, yeah. also, remember, the first one got changed multiple times. It by did. The- it did. But they had time to do it. Whereas this film, it's rip-roaring success. The, the first film made Warner Brothers just get all excited, like, the money rabbit, and just say, crank them out right now. But the God's sakes, don't worry about the details. <laughs> And, Make uh, them at the same time. Oh, and, and which has precisely happened. Yeah. They just they had an overall idea, and because they read a philosophy book, God help us all, they thought we're gonna get smart and talk philosophy. Which Rage Master's soapbox. Please allow the Rage Master to step up on the soapbox for a moment, because it is time for the soapbox session. <laughs> This is why I hate philosophy. And over a simple concept of philosophy is made dumb by everybody that that mentally masturbates to their own words and makes nonsense. That's what philosophy is, kids. It's people making nonsense with their own big words. There you go. I've just defined philosophy for you. The only reason philosophy gets complex and complicated is because you're trying to study one person who made it thusly. Is all Are all philosophers that way? No. But if you read the German school, you're better off reading... Uh, um, you're better off reading the uh, ingredients of a pizza box. You'll get more out of life than reading Immanuel Kant. So... You sound like you have more problems with certain philosophers than philosophy itself. Um, a little from column A and B. Because but without getting into that, I don't want to get too much into that soapbox. Um, but y- yeah, you're probably right. It's a little of column A and B. But it sounds like in this case, they read a philosophy book, got all excited, and just ran with it. And they never hammered it out. And since the studio was saying, make now, make now! They didn't hammer out the details. They just did what they wanted. Well, it was a rush job to get the sequels out. They didn't. Yes. They didn't finish the CGI in some cases, which oh, is very clearly. clear in the that one fight scene. Which again, at the time where I wasn't really paying attention, kind of looked cool. But now going back and going, oh wow, wow. Uh, my current computer can make better graphics than this and that's not even that good and you had a studio and how well i mean you you don't want to always retroactively go back but the point is well even at the time yes even compared at time compare it to anything else and it was yeah yeah which brings us to fun facts and i'm going to try to limit it a little bit here but one of the fun facts is that this was made these two were made together and uh they all really um 
had simultaneous global releases. Both of them did. They were all released at the same time, regardless of time of day it was in throughout the world, because I guess that was cool. Um, but getting to a, a production point you just mentioned, Thomas, uh, Tim Deacon's, uh, excuse me, the Matrix Trilogy's director of photography described working on the sequels as a negative experience, saying everything that was good about the first one was not good about the last two. We weren't free anymore. People were looking at you. There was a lot of pressure. In my heart, I didn't like them. I felt we should be going in another direction. There was a lot of friction and a lot of personal problems, and it showed up on the screen, to be honest with you. It was not my most elevated moment, nor was it anybody else's. The Wachowskis had read this book by Stanley Kubrick that said, actors don't do natural performances until you wear them out. So let's take that to 90. I want to dig Stanley Kubrick up and kill him. Which, I get that. So... Um, the production was plagued with difficulties and they were rushing. This was a rush job and the writing was clearly a rush job. And therefore, the interesting concepts that Scott brought up were doomed to failure. So that's an unfortunate thing. Um, 97% of material from the film sets were recycled after filming. I don't know why I brought that up. That's a stupid one. Uh, let's see. Oh, Sir Sean Connery was originally picked to play the architect, but turned it down because he thought the concept was incomprehensible. Good one on that, Sean. You made the right move. Uh, what? You're telling me that an unbalanced equation and you can bend a spoon and... Yeah, yeah. You can fly because you think you can fly? Yeah, it, it, it starts to make sense that it un- doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to just do these. Uh, the Wachowskis had a contract that they didn't have to do media appearances, which is probably why you didn't see too many of them. Uh, the special effects of Matrix Reloaded cost $100 million. So that crappy CGI cost $100 million. Think about that. Think about that. $100 million, money you will never see in your life, sickies, was spent to make essentially what amounted to a PS1 game. Five programmers at Sony Studios could have done, what, $100 million? Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm 25. Again, I understand you think, and I agree, that the CGI wasn't great. But you do, again, have to realize... It's an entire movie that they were working on here, and that's a lot of CGI that you might not even notice was CGI that was done. There yeah. are CGI constantly being done in little sections that no one ever notices. Sure, but they could have then they clearly could have done a better job for $100 million when they're doing the same quality of a PS1 game. You're talking about one scene again. Yeah, I am. And if you're spending that much money, you could nail that one scene. All right. I'm going to disagree here, and then we can maybe move on. Maybe oh, Rage will Scott, rebut. Scott wants to There is again. no PS1 game that has as good an animation Five as anything. PS2. No. Maybe the PS5 is getting there. That uh, For 2003, that was the, the CGI was good. It might not have been great. It might not have been phenomenal, but it wasn't bad CGI for 2003. It's bad CGI when you're looking at it in 2022, and we are still catching up to being able to do I, a video game that looks like that movie. I hated it when I saw it. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, again, why you hate it, and I think I understand why, 
is because you can tell it's not real. Exactly. But there's no verisimilitude even. But, but but let me let knock me. yourself out. You, being able to tell it's not real, even to this day, we are trying to get CGI to make something, and we have entire systems <clears throat> dedicated to muscles, bones, hair, and we can still tell stuff is fake. Because the human mind is very good at detecting the CGI and the fake. And because of that, we can tell. Now, even to this day, we can tell. Now, sometimes we can't tell why. We can't tell what it is. But there is something that the brain is going, that's not right. Something's not right about that. It might be something as subtle as the eyes do not reflect light properly, or the skin isn't reflecting light properly, or just a muscle twitch is not right. The mind detects it on a subconscious level. So yes, yes, the CGI doesn't look real. No duh, it was a long time ago. Also, no duh, they were trying to do something that physically is impossible to do in any actual existence. You're talking about someone bending reality, doing stuff that cannot be done humanly. So of course it's going to look fake. There is that possibility. So it's not going to look real. No duh. I think that's what it is. Let me really tempt fate. And get meta. Yeah, because now we're turning this into a worthless yeah, no. conversation. Let me get meta. <laughs> it's the Matrix, which is an artificial construct. Should the CGI look real? Because you're doing things that are not able to be done by the laws of physics. So, if you were in an artificial construct, and you were breaking the laws of physics within the artificial construct, shouldn't it look not real? I was doing. I was trying to provide a soundtrack for your rabbit hole conversation. Uh, if it was so good, then how come the flight of the Osiris on Animatrix looked better? Hey, significantly less budget. Hey, hey, hey! Again, entirely animated sequence. Yes. Also, it didn't look or was attempting to look real. Yeah. Somehow, it looked better. Yeah, as I said so, earlier, we have entire studios dedicated to trying to make welcome hair to, look right. Welcome to CGI Malady, where we talk I, about at length CGI. If, if, I think we're still at a point where high-quality animation should look better than CGI. I give you Alita Battle Angel, which looked like complete crap. Yes, well, again, CGI... Normally, if in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, CGI should be mixed with real <clears throat> assets and real practical effects. And it should be a merger, because that's normally when you get the best product, is a merger of the two, and you can make it look amazing. But again, it's all tricks of the trade in trying to make things look real. So... I get your issue with it, and I agree with you that the CGI isn't fantastic. But again, I have a big butt here. And this is going to the studio. <laughs> More than anything else. The studio. 
You were pushing out two films simultaneously and working on two films at the same time. You then hand off to a CGI studio a project. Here, make this film look good. Oh, by the way, we're filming in a terrible time schedule. And we're going to hand you half-done projects to make look good. It's not going to turn out well. Oh, by the way, we want it out within three months. It's not going to work. Rage Master desperately wants to move on, so let's move on. <laughs> Shall we move on to Rips and Picks? No. Ooh. No, we're not done with fun facts because you guys rabbit holed. Aw, but we love rabbit holes. Bunch of Alice's. <laughs> Maybe this was part of the Matrix. <laughs> anyway. Shall we have some tea? <laughs> so. Okay, you move, once again, Thomas has CGI talked me into moving my needle two notches over. Moving on. CGI still sucked and PlayStation 2 could have done better. Because I've seen it. Um, so. Plus, I'm always... Well, anyway. So, uh, more production fun, which Thomas, I agree with completely that they really screwed up on the production. Marcus Chung, who played Tank in part one, didn't come back because uh, he had a falling out with the Wachowskis and the studio. Uh, he was not asked because of salary negotiations between him and the studio broke down. Um... There was something about a lawsuit. Who cares? He's not in the movie. Ah, uh, boy. There's just so much garbage in here. Um, the Oh, Gloria Foster, the Oracle, died before the end of shooting the second film, so that's why they made a new one up and called her a shell. That actually was not a bad... I think they did that okay. The way they explained that off... That, that was actually well done, given the fact that, yeah, it's not their fault she's gone. So I actually give them that. That would actually be not that we're diving into rips and picks yet, but that would be a pick. It's like, all right, you explain that off pretty well. Well, you had to come up with some techno babble, psycho something. Oh, and you came up with some pretty good stuff off the top of your head on that one. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's true. Um, The inspiration for the morphing effect on the twins was jellyfish. However, um. That also brought up its own point that apparently the albino community was really offended that they were bad guys. Um, I, I don't know what to do about that. I, I guess, you know, I made a song and I'm going to sing it and Scott's going to panic and Ruck is going to take it out. But I just, I just want to say this song because I thought I was so clever even though I'm not. But the name, the song goes a little bit like this. Oh, you thought I was going to play the song, didn't you? Oh, no, 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 no. Better luck next time, sickies. Back to these crappy Matrix movies. Have fun deleting all of that or editing it into something. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Ruck. You're going to have to get rid of that, too, because I just really wanted to sing that, okay? I just really wanted to do that to get it out, okay? Man, Mark, you are making Ruck do a lot of work this time. Yeah, I'm sorry, Ruck. It's, I'll, you know... Donate $50 a month to our Patreon to hear the stuff that Ruck deletes. $50 a month as our Patreon and a non-disclosure application will get you access to the stuff Ruck deletes. That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Give me $5 and I'll send it to you via email. It's not a bad idea. Uh, Patreon only exclusive. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> Ruck Delete. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's oh, see. Oh, uh, we are sorry. Uh, the last, the last, you know, we've been dragging this on and off, so I'll just do the last fun fact. Is that Matrix revol- uh, revulsions? I'm sorry, revolutions. Blah. Many of the raindrops in the final fight between Neo and Smith are actually single lines of Matrix code. Uh, the subtle effect was added to imply that the Matrix was beginning to destabilize. The problem is, you kind of have to be an IMAX to see it. So, this goes, and I'm sure there's a good reason for it, but to me, in my opinion anyway, why would you go through the hassle of making what is otherwise a cool-sounding idea, but make it so that pretty much you have to see it in a special situation? It's like, it kind of reminds me of a Game of Thrones Season 8 where they did the Battle of Winterfell, but... They did it so dark, and they're like, well, you did, we did it. I mean, if everybody was watching this on a movie theater screen, it'd been perfect. So knowing full well that people were going to watch this on smaller screens, you made it so that no one could see it, and then blamed the consumer for watching it in a medium that you knew they were going to use. Somehow this is the fault of the consumer, not you, director. Nope. This is in uh, Film School 101. Blame the consumer and blame the moviegoer for anything wrong with your film. Yeah, well, that's true of a lot of things in corporate America, but definitely in the entertainment biz, it's all their fault. They're too stupid to understand my brilliance. It's like, no. No, I'm sorry. No. Well, hey there, kid. Welcome to Hollywood, where we make crappy movies and then blame the people who watch them when they don't like it. Remember, kid, we made the movie for the consumer, but because they said stuff bad about the studio, we gotta blame them. Now, where's my box of Lucky Strikes that I gotta go smoke all day? You know, again... In this case, you're kind of right. I get it. You really can't tell much, but yeah, it's an artistic choice. That it is an trying. artistic choice, and it's an otherwise decent sounding effect. Like I would have liked to have seen it, but when I can't even see it on my 50 inch screen, you did something wrong. I should not have to only go see it in this experience to enjoy it. It's Especially in nowadays, you know, back in the day, 70s and 80s, movies were designed to be seen on the big screen. But even at nowadays, this, nah, even at this time, it was still movie theaters. Yeah, but you still had a lot of home media and they knew this was going to hit well, on you, home media. So, yes, you, you but you normally made your films to be seen first on the movie theater. I, I'm just, no, I'm, I'm just not going to budge on this one. You move my needle there, I'm not going to do it here. I don't because. mind it because you were reaching a point in time where you had to, not as much as today, but you were reaching a point in time where you had to give people reasons to come see it in the theater because it was an experience you could only get in the theater rather than on your TV. Uh, I guess. I, I would say you'd want more of an excuse to get people a theater now, thanks to streaming. Back in the day, that was more... Uh, is that what you were trying to say and I missed it? Yes, oh, yes. Duh. Okay, Rage Master sucks at listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's... That's kind of my point of it's a cool idea for an effect, 
I just wish you guys had made it accessible to everyone. Fair. I would have liked to have seen it. Fair enough. It sounds like a neat effect, especially since that fight gets boring. Which, let's go to rips and picks. Because this is one of my rips of both movies. That... So you have The Matrix. And as I said last week, the action sequences were new and revolutionary. So how do you top that? More of the same thing. Let's just double it up. Let's just do more... Do bo bow do 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 techno 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 do 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 and do a bunch of trench coat people with sunglasses in the in the night pretending this is uh cyberpunk and and where and uh vampire the masquerade mush together while we do a lot of jumping around punching each other incessantly for 10 minutes with nothing being accomplished, shooting each other with just crap flying all over the place, bouncing off the walls, and just keep going and going and going beyond the limits of even giving a crap. And then um, it ends with just you, and even when it looked real, which it mostly did in the smaller scenes, it just got boring after a while. It's like, A, I've seen this, and B, you ratching it up and doing it more is not making me excited. It's actually making me bored. Well, well what this was was a import of a different section. This was Chinese action kung fu films yeah but they just kept dragging on the fight way more than you would get in a kung fu film not all the, again this depends on the kung fu film some that's of, true but some of those kung fu fights was literally half the movie that's true but <laughs> and those ones like i said they, those ones are get boring after a while because it's like so are they gonna land a punch and are these punches actually gonna matter it's it just gets to a point, especially with the gunfights. Now, question. It's like, is someone going to hit somebody at some point? Now, I have a question for you. Mm. Do you like baseball? Uh, is baseball boring? No. Yeah, it is. Okay. Watching baseball is boring. See, that's the difference right there. The, the, a have, good baseball game is normally no one hits the ball until one person. It's a pitching battle normally. I mean, baseball, the greatest way to explain a baseball game is in The Simpsons when Homer was sitting there. He couldn't drink, but everyone else is drinking. And he said, I never realized how boring this game really is. Well, again, this is the different perspective. Some people enjoy baseball and enjoy a no-hitter till one person hits a home run and the game ends that way. Well, fine. So, but so I think it's a perspective choice. Well, then there, it's my rip and my pick, and I'm giving it my rip that this was long, boring, drawn out, and they didn't know well, when to cut it. Because I, the I'm, other thing is... I'm long, I'm I'm okay with that I'm, as long as you say it's your opinion because absolutely I but I, I get it but I think here's where the opinion is coming in you um, too much of a good thing is a bad thing and when you just drag things on it's it's that law of diminishing returns when you're doing it that much like, the Smith and Neo fight should have been a mind-blowing mindgasm. But by the time you get to it, you're just so checked out of fights like that, you just kind of don't care anymore. Which is unfortunate because you could see the effort they put into it. You could see that they really tried to show you this is the ultimate battle, this is going to end it. And by that point, you're just kind of going, Oh, look, another giant battle. I mean, oh, okay. 
Yeah, the, I'm, I want to pile on your rip. One, um, <clears throat> these two movies are four hours. If you take out the dance party orgy scene at the Merovingian. Oh, that is another giant rip. A if you take out right, and then Morpheus decides that the I'm way to that. that the way to make Zion not panic is to tell them that they're about to die, but everyone get drunk, high, dance, party, and have sex all night. You have these scenes went on. I can't even figure out what's going on. And then if you take out the overly long fight scenes. That, that aren't needed to last that long, the movies, there's two hours worth of movie here. If you take out the fluff, there's just as much fluff and filler as there is movie. But then, Rage, you, you hit it on the head. Young Scott, as a game master, once had uh, Rage's Jedi Detellin become the embodiment of the light side and to fight awful. the embodiment of the dark it side. Was awful, especially yep. when you saw the fact that it was Ray Skywalker doing the same thing to Ray. And, and, and I thought that it was going to be amazingly cool because I magnified his abilities times 100. So I had him rolling, like, I had to find, like, 50d6 and then have him multiply the total by two. And I thought this was going to be the greatest thing ever. The Matrix managed to do what 16-year-old Scott did in the matter of one movie. You end the Matrix, the original Matrix, with Neo just being able to destroy Agent Smith without even paying attention and circumvent the code. So now you get into the second movie and the agents show up and Neo is fighting them off one-handed like he's bored. And he goes, oh, upgrades. But there's still nothing. You come back later, and now you're like, oh, well, to make Neo have to fight and and show how awesome he is, we're going to have a thousand Agent Smiths attack him. To which point they dogpile on Neo, and he just throws them off and goes flying. Where's Where's the threat? Right. By the end of that movie, by the end of that movie, he's fighting, um, Seraph to a draw in a real fight and he's fighting Smith to a draw. So now you have not only upped his skills so much, you have to up Agent Smith's skills that much and any other program. You get into movie three and none of it makes sense. And now we're out of things to do so Neo can manifest his Matrix powers in real life. It just, it, exactly. It's And you know, Thomas, you're probably gonna just build off what I'm about to say. The other problem with this film, these two films, and I realize we haven't talked, I'll give a plot synopsis in the shortest way because that's all you deserve, or that's all this film deserves, not you sickies deserve the best. (laughs) Uh, Pandering. You got it! (laughs) Unlike modern film producers, I care about our listeners. That's all you sickies deserve. Now listen to us. <laughs> and join our Patreon for exclusive. Exclusive content. If you didn't like this podcast, it's because you suck, not us. <laughs> so, so aside from these action sequences, the other problem is the raves. that They just keep ramping up. It's, it, again... No one make this cool if we put sunglasses in the dark and leather jackets and trench coats and we have a BDSM rave and just bow, 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 and everyone has guns. It's like, really? This is your idea of cool. This is what makes it so mysterious and cool. A rave with BDSM. 
That's all you got. I, I, I think you're using words wrong here. I did no, no, no. He's not wrong because I'm this watching the party at the Merovingian and part three. Oh, in yes. part three, and I'm telling you, I saw two guys dressed as Axe and Smash from Demolition <laughs> of the WWF in the '80s, and I'm like, Axe and Smash are here. It was just, it's just, and well, I know they're probably thinking they're provocative, but all, if you had dropped me into that world, I would have yawned and been like. Wow, I didn't well, think you guys would do this. How about the more important fact? Hmm. You are currently surviving, barely yeah. surviving, with barely enough resources to survive. And everything that you get excess is being dedicated to a war effort. So this is basically, if we took, mm, let's say, Britain, during the Battle of Britain, where... You had Hitler and his Air Force attacking, and we're getting bombed every day. Hey, you know what the best idea is? Let's have a rave in downtown London and yeah. take all the resources we need to fuel the aircraft to take down the German. Instead, we burn it in a giant bonfire. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? We're talking, yeah. again, I understand letting off steam. I understand on and off. I understand that. Having a bore. Having... Some kind of relief, having rest. I get it. But the entire society getting together for a giant rave? Humanity is on the at, on the brink, and you clearly just added this because rave is cool. Yes, and, and again, it makes no sense structurally or even inside the story itself because you're in the middle of a war, and this is going to be your last fight? Instead of raving, maybe, I don't know, have some dedication, having a stirring speech. Yeah. Have yourself preparing. I don't know. Get some more ammo prepared. This is going to be your last battle. Maybe instead of getting partying it up, maybe dedicate yourself to an extra round of bullets or something. Yeah. Something that would might be able to allow yourself to survive. Instead, you are literally going, we are going to die. Let's blow us everything and just go crazy. Yeah. No, that you want to survive, right? You're fighting to live. No, we got to rave out. Yeah, and what we want to do when we fight the battle for the survival of our civilization is make sure we're hungover the next day. Yeah, that's that's really but good. I'm also back to the Merovingian. Oh, I don't oh, know about you guys, but one. I found that scene so offensive. Which first one? Both he of them? makes her a roofie cake. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know what he's doing. You're going. You're, you've told me what's been done. She's feeling the heat. Where's the flush from? Did you really have to cap it off by having the camera come fly up into Matrix Code in an upskirt shot between her legs? I, I mean, that just is. I can't believe no one complained about that. Honestly, I probably someone did, and I and also it just kind didn't of, get noticed. I kind of blank that scene out because it's just so terrible. I think. Thanks I, for reminding me of that. Crap. I think I just, you know what, before we go on, let me give the one minute, and I will keep it one minute. You guys can time me on this. In part two, oh wait, you got you, you getting it? If you can do part two and three of the most convoluted plot ever devised in Hollywood history in a minute, I will be very impressed. I don't know if it's the most, but no, 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 here we go. In fact, I'm going to time it because I'm going to cut out all the filler, the crap, the nonsensical dialogue, and everything else they did to pad this movie out. Um, so let me get my, my stop. I, I have it. I have it. Oh, you got it? I got it. That's Go. probably more objective. So uh, let me know what you got. 
Great Masters One Minute Box Summer. Ready, set, go. And go. So in part two, they find out that they're just going to have to go take out the code or something. They have to find the source. And to do that, they have to find a key guy, but the Merovingian has the key guy. So they go get the key guy, and then they go to the go on a highway chase, and then they go to the code, and Leo finds out he's just some anomaly. In part three, the machines finally bore down into Zion, and Neo goes and makes a deal with them, saying, Agent Smith is taking over. You want me to kill them. So how about you just jack me, and I'll kill the Agent Smith, and then you we end the war, and you let people out if they want to. And the Oracle placates a lot. Pontificates a lot. Half a minute. There it is. You that's got, amazing. That's all you need to know. In fact, that's more than you need to know. So I, I want to rip on the Oracle. Go ahead. The, She's a nonsensical talk talk character. The Oracle is there to kind of show you the role of fate versus free will. And the movie seems to be building up fate the entire time. But then in the end, it really makes a message that free will overrides fate because I chose to. But here's the thing about the Oracle. The whole concept of the Oracle is stupid. This is a computer program that tells you that it can see the future with perfect prescience because it understands every choice that it's going to make. And it understands the choices. How does the Oracle know what Neo is going to do? How does the Oracle know what that Trinity is going to meet Neo and fall in love. Because now, I have. understand that the Matrix has code, but everyone in the Matrix is making their own choices. So the Oracle shouldn't be able to see what independent humans living in the Matrix are going to do because they they have free will. So the only way the Oracle would be able to see everything that's going on in the Matrix is if nothing in the Matrix had free will except the architect and the Oracle. And therefore, everyone, once they jacked into the Matrix, lost their own free will and had to live out whatever scenario the Oracle and the architect decided. It makes no sense. It's stupid. It gets even dumber... That's not even right. It gets even more idiotic when Neo has this ability outside of the Matrix and is able to see machine code with his burned out blinded eyes. And when the Oracle decides that the best way for all of this to end is to let Smith assimilate her and her ability to see the future. This is absolutely mind bogglingly idiotic. Okay, I'm going to pile on somewhat. I'm going to slightly disagree with the computer part. And the only reason I say that is because Google exists. <laughs> if there's enough, and I repeat, enough computer data, you can predict possible futures to a certain degree. Not perfect. And by no imagination perfect. I'm just going to say you can probably predict to some degree. Now, again, this movie way overdoes everything. As we discussed earlier, fight yep. scenes, raves, everything. So, of course, if you're going to crank up prediction of the future to 11, you got perfect prediction of the future. No. No, if you have free will, prediction's not 100%. But, again, that goes back to psychology and the idea of free will versus prediction and nurture versus nature and all of this fun stuff that would take us down a rabbit hole for the next decade, which we'll 
have to be edited out by Ruck. <laughs> um, but no, I understand that. And I do get the principle behind it. But the problem being, as soon as you go outside of the Matrix, you're not... Neo's not a computer. No. He's supposed to be a human with apparently the one, which again explains it somewhat in the next one, which it doesn't, but that's another... That's the next show, which... Ugh. I've already seen it, and I'm hating it. Oh, oh yeah. I, I can't wait for you two to enjoy the torture I had to. Um, but Oh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm uh, dreading it. Yeah, but again, the issues that exist is when he goes outside of the Matrix, you're no longer the one. You are another human. Why on earth do you have the powers of the Matrix outside of the Matrix? Because we need him to. That's exactly. It. That's it. We need him to. Now, I have tons of problems with this because it goes... If, if we're saying that outside of the Matrix is inside of another Matrix, and we're doing the Inceptions thing, where it's like, whoa, whoa, inside of Matrix, inside of a Matrix. Is that what you're saying? No. Okay, then why does he have powers outside of the Matrix? It doesn't make sense. Big rip. Big rip. Right. Because I hate that. Because my biggest... And again, when I first saw it, I just liked the the action and fun. And I just didn't care about this. But now I look at it and I pay attention to the psychobabble that they're trying to tell me. It makes no sense. It's stupid. It hurts my mind. And unfortunately, it leads to even worse. And because of that, I'm sorry. It just sucks for that reason because as soon as you start going down this path, and I again, I get some of it. Some of it makes sense. This small grain of fractional thing where you're like, you can predict something with enough data. Okay. Oh, there's certain things of, Okay, I get a lot of what you're saying or attempting to say. You can affect, pro- you can guess probability. Yes. Okay, sure. And, but again, even almost everything else that th- this film series is trying to tell us, it has a grain of truth somewhere in there where they started with something that makes some sense or something that I'm like, okay, and I get it. But then you go, you know what? This makes sense. Let's crank it up to 15. Yeah. Let's Now it no longer makes sense because what you did was something that would work in this very specific set of circumstances. But then it won't work in any other circumstance. Doesn't matter. We're just going to say it works all the time. What? 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 Yeah. Oh, and we're also going to say it actually has even more and crazier. And you just go. And okay. And, and again, Mark, you're absolutely right. I do like some Western films that go, you know, go crazy and have fight scenes that last forever. But this had the problem that it kept having to crank it up. And instead of just laying it play out and playing it the long game, they cranked everything to 11. Yeah. The problem was once you reached 11, yeah, they crank it to 13 and then to 15. And you kept getting crazier and stupider and more complicated. And by the end... This series made no sense whatsoever. And to dovetail off that, the idea that it almost looks like they were making it up on the fly. Like, you know, the train station. Well, who's the train man? 
Well, he's the one between the programs and the source code. Well, why is he there? I'm put there by the Merovingian. It's like, I just, during the scene in BDSM Club, where he's talking to the Merovingian, I just wished I had been there to been like, hey, um, I know that Neo is stuck in the train station, but I was thinking that program a new thing called the ice cream stand and where you use a certain flavor combo to reset the matrix. And if that doesn't work, we can make a kid's birthday party. But the kid's birthday party doesn't have real balloons because the balloons are actually a construct of the Hamakabot mind. But that's just the probability of the key in the bag. And the key is that the clown has got it. And you need the clown to go meet with the key maker so you could go find the, the are locksmith. Re- are we just redoing the opening now? Yeah. Okay. I basically <laughs> just, at that point, I just wanted to make stuff up and spit in the face of the Merovingian. Well, all, it's like it's like yeah, it just like the train station is this. Oh, now it's a train station. Oh, but now it's this. Ah, but it's this. Oh, here's the code about this. It's like, well, it's, I got again, an idea. Again, when you crank everything up to eleven, you break your own logic because yeah. again, it just okay. Fine, if this certain circumstance, up. they can make something. But oh wait. If they can make something, why can't they make everything? Because they, what? Because they can't. I just what? Yeah, I just wanted them to start deciding that the key to undoing the Matrix was finding Bozo the Clown working at a birthday party that's at a (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese sitting next to an ice cream stand and that the key of the lock was the Oracle baking cookies in the back while she was uh, farting out the national anthem. That that would have at least made more sense. Oh, so your 12th birthday party. Basic. Basic. You put a lot of thought into that. More thought than they did. So, uh, yeah. That's well, another- I, I, I have a feeling we're, we all kind of hate these two films, so yeah, I'm wondering but, where we lie on this. Well, I have I have one more rip, one more pick. I do actually have a pick. Ooh. And, um, and then, yeah, we could probably land this... Dis- Disaster. This disappointment. Oh, that's a better word for it. <laughs> uh, one rip would be... The fact that oh shoot, I just suddenly forgot it. It was that unnote- <laughs> it was that unnoteworthy along with the rest of the film. Wow, um, it was so bad. I just wanted I to just erase did, it. I just wanted to go away. Um, well, what was the shoot. pick? While oh, yeah, maybe it'll come back to me. The pick is actually in in uh, Revulsion or no? I'm sorry, uh, the second movie, the highway scene. That is actually not a bad car chase. That was actually pretty good and well done, and I, I found it entertaining enough. Um, so yeah, I give that a pick. That's the best part of these whole two about uh, the two movies. I could watch that again, um, but that's about the only pick I can give it, other than the fact that the Agent Smith fight at the end was supposed to be good. You can tell they really meant it to be the big deal, but by the time you get there, you just can't give a crap anymore. So um, that's that's why it doesn't get a pick from me. You just don't care anymore. You've already checked out at that point. Um, and yeah, I guess the rip then would just be the way they just kept making stuff up as they went, and it, or at least that's how it appeared. And you just can't bother to give a crap anymore. And so it bothers me that I forgot that rip, but there's a rip in there. So, okay, let's rate this disaster pile. Uh, both, are we just doing them together? Want to just do them together? Okay, let's just do them together. How many uh, or waves? How many what? Waves. 
How many raves? That's a good one. <laughs> How many rave Oracle raves are we giving this? <sighs> a two. It gets a pick because the highway scene. That was it. The rest of the movies just... Like I said, after seeing two, I checked out. And that tells you everything. So, two. Okay. Um, oh, this is a little tricky for me. Because the second one isn't terrible. I'm not going to say it's good or even great. It's not terrible. But the third one, in my opinion, just drops it way down. Because it's awful, convoluted, and makes no sense. And by the end, I'm more confused and just check out because I'm like, what did I just watch? What did the entire series mean now? So I'm going to give it a th- the two last two and three together. I'm going to give a three, maybe a 3.5 only because the second one is okay. So I'm going to up tip the apple cart here and I'm going to give the combined efforts of two and three a four. Um, it is a movie that, like a parabola, parabola, just falls off the table as you get more and more towards the end, and it just becomes a bigger and bigger pile of bleep. Um, that said, there are some good concepts throughout this entire trilogy. Um, nature of reality. The reality that you create being more real than the reality that exists. Um, and I, I think you get into the... One, the unbalanced equation, as much as I hated it, there's something there in the fact that nature is always trying to balance things. It's just the the nature of reality. There's an opposite to everything. And when you do have something that's unbalanced, it is an anomaly that needs to be corrected or can cause havoc or can cause systems to unravel. Um, But even more than that, you get to the end where Agent Smith is telling him, Peace, love, war, freedom, free will are all temporary constructs made by a human mind to make sense of a world that has no meaning. And ultimately, the real meaning of life is, I mean, there is, we're always looking for this big meaning that isn't there. It's funny coming from me with Scott's deep meaning. But maybe that is what makes society and what makes life worth living and why we're able to us among ourselves are able to abstract these constructs whether the animal world can't do that and we can come up with something like peace which doesn't exist in nature we can come up with something like war that doesn't exist in nature love freedom individuality free will fate these things don't exist in nature and it's why the architect can't grasp them so these concepts are there poorly developed, lost in an ocean of bad dialogue, lost in an ocean of subpar or bad acting at times, aside from Keanu Reeves and uh, Trinity and uh, and uh, Fishburne. So there's an ocean of bad acting, ocean of bad writing, ocean of bad dialogue. I'm using ocean too many times. Ocean, ocean, ocean. But there's a concept here. There's something that could have been well done. And if there's ever a franchise that I think could benefit from a full reboot and remake, this is it. Reboot, leave the original Matrix alone. It's perfect. Remake, reloaded, remake revolutions, recast, and tell this story the way it was supposed to be and give the Wachowskis time to tell what they really had. 
but I'll give it a four because this gold is just covered in a pile of elephant turds. I think uh, a good way to end it off is when I was watching these two movies, at the same time, I was more engaged with a video about an Irishman removing rusty nails from a cow's hoof. That was immensely more interesting to me than these films. That's right, watching a farmer take care of his cows was more interesting to me. I'm also wondering now how the YouTube algorithm got there. I have no idea how that showed up, but it's amazing. So anyway, we have uh, one, so getting on with it, we have a few more programs on the Raving Lunatic Media that you guys can check out. We, of course, have Sci-Fi Malady, uh, ZTF, Zodiac Task Force. They had an episode last week drop, number eight, written by the lovely Shane. Quite good. And we have a short that just dropped uh, this morning, in fact. So check that out. It's a it's a called Shadows of the Past. And it'll, I like this one. I like them all. I'm biased. But still, You're giving away when we, what date we recorded this at. Yeah, always. So, uh, we also, of course, have the Caseatorium with uh, Case Closed, uh, Cold Case Chase, Cross-Examination. And we also have a Case of the Chills. Layla, where's my haunted elevator? And also, check out the new program coming out, the Case RPG run by Halv, who is uh, played Iborian. And it also stars Ruck and a few other players who are also voice actors. And uh, boy, I was set to be on this and I don't have the time and I wish I did because it sounds awesome and Ruck did a great job on the trailer. You could check that out now on our Caseatorium and uh, Spotify. You can also leave comments for us at um, www.ravingbeammatrix. Key is the question as to why... Oh, no, 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 no. Ravingluticmedia.com. Ravingluticmedia. We don't do it as well as Scott. No, we don't. I just remembered my Brip, and it was the Mecca. Okay. It was the Mecca that have no defensive capabilities for the pilot. They're ah. just out exposed in the open. Plus, it was Mecca because anime. There, that was my rip. Okay. But well. now you know where to leave comments. You can also check us out on our Discord page. And, of course, the final thing to do is to stay sick, sickies. what you're talking about. The Matrix. What even is that? Ah, look at that garbage. Man, I miss the good old days where we had actors like Charlie Chaplin and Marion Davies. Ah, I need to go smoke me a lucky strike. What do you say, kid? I know that you're like 12 and child labor laws are pretty slim nowadays. So let's go smoke a lucky strike. Rating Lunatic Media does not support the smoking of cigarettes as they can lead to many types of cancer as well as make you look like a pretentious douchebag. Please talk to your doctor to see if The Matrix is right for you, but please don't watch it, because it's probably worse than the cigarettes. Hey. Hey, uh, 
I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This is a classic. This is uh, sci-fi melody. Dresses up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a rerun.